Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, what an exciting week. Uh, we finalized the purchase of a church building this week. We did. It, it feels like it was two weeks ago. It, it feels like a lifetime ago. <laughs> it has been long, long days, but things are coming together really well. So we are so excited to have purchased a building. It's on the corner of Road 100 and Argent in Pasco. Uh, easy access to the, to the highway and to all of the Tri-Cities, and we are so excited for what's to come. So just so you know, if you're wondering, our plan is to, in the month of January, to get some of our small group activity going there at the church, and in February to begin meeting on Sunday mornings. Uh, we don't have an exact date on that. There are a lot of things to fall into place prior to then, but we're working hard on it. Thank you to everyone that's already mm -hmm. been out and helped volunteer and, and pull things together throughout this process. Uh, you know who we're talking about. Thank you so much for all that you've done in this process. We're just really excited to see what God has for us in this new season. So, And today, thank you so much for being here virtually with us. Uh, we were thinking today and, and talking, and I was reminiscing a little bit about uh, the college days. I spent one summer in France. I went with a school program, and I don't know if you've ever had this experience where you, you walk into some place that's completely new, completely different, and you're just unsure of how to act, how, how to speak, how to respond to things. Yeah, I remember middle school. <laughs> It can happen here. It can happen in middle school. It can also yeah. happen. Uh, in fact, it happens quite frequently with cross-cultural experiences. And so I remember uh, my first evening at my host home's house. So I was living for a month with a French family, this beautiful French family. And so they had made me dinner and they were excited to talk to me. And I was nervous to speak French, but... We were, we were communicating, and then towards the end of dinner, when I thought dinner was over, um, the, the lady said to me, well, now you have our evening tradition. And I just looked at her, I was like, I don't know what this is gonna be. And she pulls out this giant tray of all these different kinds of cheeses. Mm. Now, I love cheese, but there was some stuff on that board that was completely <laughs> foreign to me. And I must not have a very good poker face because she sets the tray in front of me and then just starts laughing at me. I think I had this horrified look on my face. <laughs> like, you're, you're telling me I'm gonna have to eat that? <laughs> and they were very gracious. Very gracious with me um, and, and didn't require that I eat any of the stuff that was unusual colors or strange smells to me. And But, but I, we were just talking about this when you're in an experience in a situation where it's new, it's different. Um, it can be a really uncomfortable place to be, but also a place where we learn so much about ourselves and about others. Yeah, and that's the place that we're going to find Peter in our story today. But let's do a little bit of catch up and make sure we know where we're at in the text today. So we have been studying through the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is a remarkable story. It begins with Jesus, who has risen from the dead, appearing to his apostles, and then ascending into heaven. And the church is about to begin. He says to his apostles, wait here in Jerusalem for the promise for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes. Thousands of people are baptized on that day. The mm -hmm. church has begun, and the church begins to grow. Day after day, it is growing. People are passionate in their uh, concern for each other, in their concern for the communities in which they live, in their desire to share mm -hmm. this good news with people around them. But all up through chapter 9 of the book of Acts, uh, we're 
greeting of the Israelite people who have come to believe in Jesus as their Messiah, as the the prophesied Savior that would come to Israel. Um, But in Acts chapter 10, where we're at today and where we began last week, um, we find this shift in the story of the church. We find this shift from a sect of Judaism who believes in Jesus as their Savior um, to now a church that is opening up beyond the borders of Israel. Uh, and with that comes incredible potential, mm-hmm. but naturally also quite a bit of challenge. Yes. So last week we began looking at the story in Acts 10 where God speaks to Cornelius and tells him to send for this man named Peter in Joppa. And then at the same time, God speaks to Peter through a vision and he says, don't call anything unclean that I have made clean. And as, as Peter is pondering that, um, Cornelius's men arrive and, and deliver this message that Cornelius would like to hear from you. And so today this is where we pick up the story. We're going to begin reading in Acts 10, verse 23. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. You know, this is a unique and a special moment. After all the division that existed between Israel and the other nations, uh, in this moment, when Peter and Cornelius meet each other, there is a mutual respect on the table. Mm. Cornelius falls down at Peter's feet, right? And he's showing an incredible amount of respect, especially remembering that Cornelius was a centurion, a ruler over 100 men in the Italian regiment. He was a man who was powerful and highly respected both in his nation, but also the text had told us that he's highly respected amongst the Jewish people in his region. So he's a highly respected man, but in this moment, he finds himself on his knees in respect and reverence for for Peter. So he's very humble with Peter. And then Peter um, responds also with a whole lot of humility and respect towards Cornelius. He says, hey, stand up. I am only a man myself. And that is very significant that these two very different people from different backgrounds, as they come together, um, they both know that God is bringing them together and they both come and approach this new relationship out of humility. You know, I think it's very rare both then and today that we find such mutual respect where differences exist. And so I love that aspect of what's developing in this story here today. Love it and very much needed. Yes, Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So um, Peter um, and and the people with him, they are beginning an entirely new journey. Like this is such a deviation from what they have known and experienced (laughs) in the past. Absolutely. A whole new journey. And I love the way that Peter enters this um, place of learning, right? He enters actually with a question in verses 27 through 33. We're not going to read it all, um, but he comes into this place and he first uh, reiterates or explains to them, Just want to make sure you understand that this is very much against the law as far as Israelite law is concerned, right? Let me state the elephant in the room here. (laughs) Right. So he says, uh, this is not the way we have operated 
And yet, God appeared to me in a vision, and something new is beginning in this moment. And so listen to how he enters into this moment. He says to these people, he actually asks a question, may I ask you why you sent for me? I love this moment where Peter, mutual respect being shown between him and Cornelius and all of these people, he enters a place that formerly he never would have, but God compelled him to in a vision, and he enters in the posture of a learner. He enters with a question for the people. And Cornelius responds to his question and he tells them about um, the vision that he had and, and, and what the angel of the Lord had told him. And then this is Cornelius's final statement um, here at the beginning of, of where we're at uh, to Peter. Cornelius says in verse 33, now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. He says, we're all here in the presence of God. And Cornelius here is recognizing that this is a divine encounter. You know, these are two people that wouldn't have come together had it not been for God orchestrating this meeting um, here in Cornelius's home, the home of a centurion, the home of someone who at that time the Israelites would have said was unclean and that it like you said, it was against the law to enter into this home. And Cornelius recognizes that the presence of God is there. And I think that's really significant for us. You know, sometimes we think we need um, to go to church in order to meet God. And I'm all for going to church. Please come to church. But um, that's not the only place where we meet God. The presence of God is everywhere in our neighborhoods, in our living rooms, on the street, in, in our place of business. The presence of God is everywhere. And so we can be in the presence of God in sometimes the most unlikely places or places we would imagine to be unlikely. And we'll soon see much more of the presence yes. of God here in this story. And so they have asked the question, so, you know, tell us um, everything that the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Now, of course, nowhere in the text previously did it tell us that God had told Peter what to say in this moment. <laughs> What's interesting is what he's about to say is like the precipitation, the culmination mm -hmm. of all that he has experienced, both in Israelite faith in walking with Jesus, and now in the beginning of the church. And this is the conclusion that he comes to, and it's beautiful. Acts 10, 34, Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. God shows no favoritism. Mm. I love this text and I love this turning point. I hope you're catching just a glimpse of the monumental moment that this is in the story of Israel and the story of the church and the transition that takes place in this moment. You know, uh, favoritism by definition refers to the practice of giving unfair preferential treatment to one person or group at the expense of mm. another. And um, so favoritism takes place all over and all the time. I mean, quite often where racism or favoritism exists, uh, there are unknown bias under the surface of the interactions that are taking place, the, the decisions that are being made. And that's certainly the case uh, here in our text today. Um, but Peter in this moment is realizing a profound truth that God never has God does not and never will show favoritism towards 
people. It, and, and God's plan is not changing in this moment. Let's just clarify. It's easier to read the Old Testament and understand God having loved or cared more about this nation of Israel. But that was not the covenant he made with Israel. The agreement he made with them was, I am going to bless you that you will be a demonstration of my love to the world. I'm going to bless you that through you will flow my blessing into all of the world. And Jesus, of course, the culmination of that promise. And Israel quite often didn't really understand their part in this journey or didn't live up to it. And so in this moment, Peter is realizing a profound truth. God, you never did show favoritism and you do not show favoritism. You never will show favoritism. You know, this is still a very pertinent message today. Um, This week on the news, I witnessed, as I'm sure many of you witnessed, a mob of people storming the Capitol Hill. And there are some very disturbing images and videos that came out of that. And and some of the most disturbing things for me was this blend of radical nationalism and racism and messages about Jesus, all in the same space in the same crowd. I saw people marching with symbols of white supremacy and hate while others carried signs that said, Jesus saves. And we just want to very clearly state that this does not reflect the kingdom of God. We see here in this story that God shows no favoritism. There is no favoritism in the kingdom of God. There is no racism in the kingdom of God. And so let us hear now in this time, in this context, as Peter says in this scripture, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Yeah. You know, and Peter is a central figure, both in Israel and in the story of the first century church. And he is realizing in this moment, and he has the humility to admit that I have misunderstood some things and I am ready to take a step in a new direction. And that is my prayer for us as followers of Jesus, for the church, nation and worldwide, uh, that we would have that kind of humility and eye opening experience that says, Maybe I don't have it all figured out, and maybe God has something new, something beautiful to show Mm me, Uh, and maybe I have something more to realize about a God that loves equally, that Mm -hmm. demonstrates love to all humanity and invites us to do the same. So, yeah. So in this in this text, then um, he makes this statement. Uh, God, as he realizes, he doesn't show favoritism, but instead, the the flip side of that is God accepts those who fear him and do what is right. And both those are interesting statements to me. Uh, to fear God, that's not as uh, as much about being scared of God, as much as it is having reverence for God and then um, uh, being motivated into a new way of life because of that reverence for God. Um, and then he goes on to say, and does what is right. Again, referencing this idea of living out our relationship with God, living out our faith. And what's fascinating about this statement, Peter saying to Cornelius, I now realize no favoritism, and I realize that God accepts those who fear him and do what is right, is Peter's perspective on right and wrong 
is totally being turned upside down in this moment, right? Mm -hmm. This whole story is about him coming to this new realization. And what he is saying in this moment is, I realize now that Cornelius, you, whom Mm -hmm. I used to show favoritism towards uh, or racism towards, um, he's saying in this moment, I realize that you are the one that fears God and is doing what is right. This is a major mindset change Mm -hmm. for Peter and soon to be a major mindset change in the church. So the story continues in verse 36. You know, and this is what Peter is um, saying to Cornelius. As Cornelius says, so tell me uh, what God has commanded you to say. So here's the message that Peter says. He says, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached and how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So Peter says, here's here's the message that I have for you. And it's his gospel account. Here's the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. I love that phrase, good news of peace, this peace, this idea of wholeness and health. Um, Here's the peace that we find through Jesus Christ. Jesus, he was anointed by the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around using his power to do good and to heal. He was killed on the cross, but then God raised him from the dead. And then everyone, everyone who believes in him receives the forgiveness of sins through his names. And I love that. Peter even references this was prophesied by the prophets that everyone who believes in him um, will receive forgiveness. This is the good news, the peace found through Jesus Christ. So Peter has in this moment the ability to clearly articulate uh, the gospel account, the mm. good news as he has under, uh, come to understand it in a, an understandable, palatable way to the people that he's speaking mm-hmm. to. Um, how beautiful would it be that if we could all you know, come to that moment where I can articulate what good news means in the life of people around me. And can I just say, he could have focused on a lot of little details, Mm -hmm. a lot of little differences between him and Cornelius, but he just shrunk it down like this is the core of the message. It's the good news of Jesus. And when you combine these, you know, these concepts that we're, that we're dancing around right now, you have not showing favoritism and you have this articulation of good news that Jesus is good news for everyone. 
And, and I love that concept. I think it's a simple one and yet a profound one that as, as followers of Jesus, we need to be continually reminded of. So um, the text continues, uh, while Peter was still speaking, articulating this good news to the people, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Um, the people that were with Peter, they were astonished. Oh my goodness. They start to see the Holy Spirit come in the lives of these Gentile people. Then Peter said in verse 37, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. You know, uh, Acts 2 was Pentecost. That was when the Holy Spirit came upon the Jewish believers and they began speaking in different languages and praising God in different languages. And here we see the equivalent happening, Pentecost, but this time the recipients were the Gentiles, the people who weren't Jews, Cornelius and the people he had gathered. And I love Peter's response. He's like... It's amazement. He's in awe of it. And I can't he says, deny this. I can't deny this. I, who can stop them from being accepted? And then his statement at the end, they have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. It is a statement of equality saying the Holy Spirit has made no distinction between us and you. And so Cornelius and his people are baptized. And this is a monumental moment, not just for Cornelius and, and these followers who are now baptized into the Christian faith, into the church, um, but uh, for Peter and his followers as well. They are astonished to see the Holy Spirit coming and God's clear proc proclamation. Mm -hmm. These are my people. Things are changing in drastic ways. So they're, they're baptized. And baptism, if you're not familiar with it, this is an Israelite practice that Jesus participated in and then was adopted in the early church um, and continues today. We, for instance, baptize people as they come to belief in Jesus and commit their lives to him. And it's this beautiful moment um, that represents new life, a new season, new opportunity found in, uh, in turning in a new direction and finding hope in Jesus. So this was a big moment for Peter and Cornelius. But what I, one of the things I love is that it's, it's not just, just this one moment. After all of this, Cornelius invites Peter to stay with him. Again, staying in his home completely against um, the Jewish practice of this time. And Peter does. And it gives us a glimpse into what God's vision is, what God's desire is. And that is uh, two very different people coming together in community, coming together, learning together, centered around the peace of Jesus. That is what Christian fellowship and community is all about. So in Acts chapter 10, as we zoom out, we see the story of two conversions. We see the story of Cornelius, the one that would be obvious mm -hmm. as we read the text. But there's another conversion taking place here in the life of Peter and probably yeah. equally in the lives mm -hmm. of those that are there with him. Uh, there's a conversion of Cornelius and his family, Gentile peoples. And there's a conversion of Peter and the people there experiencing it. And in Acts chapter 11, there's a third conversion as Peter then goes to the church and say, friends, things are changing. Mm -hmm. You know, I think this story has great implications for us today. 
we see here that God has and God continues to extend his love and his invitation to all people. You know, in, in Acts, the early church wasn't quite on board with this yet. They were still catching up to what God was doing. And so the Holy Spirit really moved powerfully in them, in Peter and Cornelius, to, to bring um, the Jews and the Gentiles together to disrupt the exclusivity that existed there, to build relationship and to unify people through the peace of Jesus. And today the same is true. God continues to extend his love and his invitation to all people. And we as the church need to remember that and need to live into this truth that God shows no favoritism. And as, as God's hands and feet here, we also are to love and extend invitation to all people. Yeah, and the story of Peter and Cornelius is a story of tearing down barriers. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the language of Scripture. You know, in Jesus and Christ, yeah. uh, barriers come down. And we see that in the story of Peter and Cornelius. And today, I think we desperately need to continue as a church to live into those uh, life-changing realities that uh, racial barriers mm-hmm. would be torn down in our communities and in our church and in our nation, that political barriers would be torn down, that socioeconomic or occupational mm-hmm. barriers be eliminated in our lives and in our relationships, that gender barriers be mm-hmm. torn down, and the list goes on and on. But this is the good news of Jesus, that equality and opportunity can be found. And this is the work of peacemaking. And and here's what I mean by that. Jesus is our peace and we are peacemakers. We're to be peacemakers. We're to live into this peace found in Jesus and work towards that. And it starts in our living rooms. It starts in our homes with and in our families, building relationships with others and living in community. And now I know we're in a season of pandemic and COVID and that really changes everything. So I, I, I get that. We might have to get creative of where our living room is. And, and we certainly don't yeah. lose sight of the fact that that is our invitation to be peacemakers yes. and to live in relationship. There will be increasing opportunity for that. Yes, absolutely. Um, being a part um, of a community centered around Jesus is so beautiful. And that is that is our invitation. And we are invited as a part of that community to extend the welcome to all people. And this will require that we are humble. This will require that we come uh, with a posture of learning and listening. It will require also for us to acknowledge and repent of the favoritism that we may have shown in our personal life, in our institutions, um, confess that, repent of that, and then move forward and ask the Holy Spirit to guide us into a beautifully equitable and diverse kingdom of God in which all people are equally loved and equally invited to participate. Let's pray about that. Mm -hmm. God, thank you for this day and this opportunity to dig into scripture and to consider 
what you had, what you were doing in that moment, and got to consider what you continue to do in this moment, here and now mm-hmm. and today. And so, God, uh, we pray that you will help us to be humble in our relationships uh, and in our relationship with you. Uh, God, we pray that you will teach us and open our eyes. God, we pray that you will um, break down barriers that exist in our communities and in our lives. God, that unity, opportunity, that hope can be found in you. Jesus, thank you that you make peace. Thank you that you chose peace Mm -hmm. while you were on earth and that you make peace today. Help us to be peacemakers in the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So each week we've been leaving you with a song and this week I wanted to share with you a song called Come to the Table by Common Hymnal. Common Hymnal, one of my one of my favorite groups. This song really struck me this week because it's an invitation for everyone to come to the table of God. Here are some of the lyrics. There's room at the table. We've saved you a seat. Come to the banquet. Come join in the feast. Come to the table, come eat and drink. There's no inner circle. Come dine with the king. And I love that. There's no inner circle. There's no favoritism. Come and dine with the king. I hope you listen and enjoy. Hey, friends, thanks again for joining us this week. Blessings. Can't wait to see you again soon. Bye. Bye.